Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. We believe that stories are magic. So when we find a great one, we can't wait to share it. Far, far away on the planet Florp, a baby named Bobby Wonder was born. But his parents relocated the family to Earth right after the birth. So Bobby grew up having no idea he was an alien. Until his 10th birthday, that is. Can you imagine waking up on your birthday to find out that you can fly and talk to ducks? <coughs> Created by a New York Times best-selling children's author and produced by the award-winning Go Kid Go team, Bobby Wonder is out of this world fun. Search for Bobby Wonder on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host and caretaker of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This spine-tingling story, Story Club members, might make you bundle up with the chills. It's one I call Mr. Plyter the Spider. Bobby Sinclair knew there was something strange about his new homeroom teacher, Mr. Harry Plyter. For one, he moved into the two-story house directly across the street from him, which wasn't all that strange at first, of course. The house had stood empty for a few months. No, what was strange is that at night, Mr. Plyter rarely had any lights on in his house. All the neighboring houses on Weaver Street did, with shimmering blue lights flickering from television sets and kitchen lights ablaze from supper and snacks. But not the case with this new teacher. Total darkness when the sun went down. Did Mr. Plyter go to bed early, or did he simply sit around in the darkness? Either way, it was weird. To add to the weirdness, about a week or two after the new resident pulled out the for sale sign in the front yard, neighborhood pets started to disappear. Mrs. Stapleton's cat, Furry Tom, vanished. The goldsmiths lost their dog, Jerry, too. That was so strange. Jerry, a little terrier, barely went outside. They put him out at night just for a few minutes, and that's all it took. Jerry wasn't in the yard anymore. He wasn't anywhere. And Mr. Plyter's house stayed dark. Bobby made sure that his gray schnauzer, Mr. Scruffleupagus, went nowhere near that house, just in case. He'd mentioned this to his parents, but they thought he was being paranoid and unfair to the new neighbor. Pets get lost all the time, Bobby's dad had said. Sometimes they find their way back home, and sometimes they don't. And that was the end of that discussion. At school, Bobby kept a close eye on Mr. Harry Plyter. He wore glasses, dark eyes, and thick black hair and a full beard. One thing he'd noticed about his homeroom teacher is that he always wore long-sleeved shirts. He had thick, dark hair on the backs of his hands, which reminded Bobby of a monkey or something. He figured his teacher wore the long-sleeved shirts, even in the usually warm September, because he probably had hairy arms. He wore his shirts buttoned up and a tie, too. Mr. Plyder was the only teacher who dressed this way. His ties were silk and almost always had a design on them that reminded Bobby of spiderwebs. He joked to his friend, Randy McGee, that Mr. Plyder was a spider. Randy didn't get it, 
but it didn't matter. Bobby laughed at his own joke. He didn't realize how right he was. Mr. Plyder kept to himself. Bobby noticed. During lunch, when the other teachers sat together, Mr. Plyder sat alone. And if he did happen to sit with the other teachers, he kept to himself, usually sipping some kind of beverage in his thermos. That was strange, too. He never saw Mr. Plyder eat any solid foods. He only sipped the contents of his mysterious thermos with a long black straw. Maybe it was blood? The blood of the pets he'd captured like Furry Tom and Jerry? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Bobby's friend Randy said. Vampires drink blood. He can't be a vampire. He's walking around in the middle of the day. Spiders are like vampires. They suck all the blood from their victims. Spiders and humans aren't the same thing. Spiders are spiders. People are people. No, he's really a spider hiding inside a human suit, Bobby said. Did you fall on your head too many times as a baby? Randy laughed. Then, one day, it happened. It was nighttime, and Bobby couldn't find Mr. Scruffleupagus. He usually liked to have his favorite dog in his room while he slept. He asked his mom where he was. Oh, I let him out, his mom said. He kept scratching at the door. No, Bobby said. You can't let him out by himself. He rushed outside to find his dog. There was no time to explain to his mom. Calling and calling, his gray schnauzer was nowhere to be seen. And Mr. Plyder's house was dark. Time to go over to his house and ask him. Bobby went into the garage and grabbed a flashlight and some bug killer spray. If anyone asked, he was zapping a few mosquitoes. He felt a little stupid. Maybe Mr. Plyder was all right. Maybe he was just an eccentric guy who was also a little shy. Maybe that's all. But the fact remained that pets had started vanishing right around the time he showed up. Coincidence? Bobby crept up to the porch of Mr. Plyder's house. The two-story house stood silent. He knocked on the door. Nobody answered. He rang the bell. Still no answer. Maybe his homeroom teacher went out each evening? Maybe that's why his house is always so dark? Nope. His poor spider stood in the driveway. Wow, what kind of teacher could afford an expensive sports car like that? Sneaking around to the back of the dark house, Bobby spied the storm cellar doors. One of them was open. He snapped on the light, took a breath, and walked downstairs. Hello? The cellar was dark and smelled like musty, wet paper. As he descended the dusty concrete stairs, the spiderwebs grew thicker. At the bottom of the stairs, a network of spiderwebs filled the cellar. But these weren't ordinary spiderwebs. They were as thick as nylon cord. Bobby set down the spray and touched one. It was as strong as steel. Oh no, he couldn't pull his hand free. It was stuck. Something hissed from the darkness. With his other hand, he shone the light. It was a large spider the size of a man, but not a man. Hanging over a chair was deflated skin, a human skin. He had been right. Mr. Plyder was a spider hiding as a human. The web was filled with silken bundles, the size of cats and dogs. Oh no. Mr. Scruffleupagus whined behind him at the top of the stairs and wagged his tail. There you are, Bobby said. Where were you, boy? The spider didn't get you, but he's gonna get me. Mr. Plyder climbed toward him, his dark, shiny eyes peering at his prey. 
Bobby fought to pull his hand free. He needed that bug killer spray. Mr. Plyter the spider hissed, bearing two impossibly large fangs that glimmered in the glow of his flashlight. Bobby broke his hand free. He grabbed the spray and raised it just as the giant spider was upon him. He released a blast of poison spray into the monster spider's face. Okay, sorry, that one was a little too creepy, but I can't resist a good story like that. Let's hope the bug spray was extra strong, or Bobby may have found himself bundled up like those other silken bags of prey caught in the web. I'll tell you what, next time I go shopping, I'm going to seriously stock up on bug spray just in case somebody like Mr. Harry Plyter moves into my neighborhood. Hello, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This wild tale, Story Club members, might get you howling at the moon. It's one I call Running with Wolves. Mia Parsons didn't like school, and it was only going to get worse because now she had to go to a new school. Ugh. Her parents had moved from the big city out to this small town in the woods called Wolfvale. She didn't know anyone here. It was her first day in the new school, and she was sitting in the lunchroom alone. All the other kids were sitting with their friends, laughing and joking. Mia missed her friends. In classes, she slumped in the back of the room, avoiding everyone. She didn't think she was going to like fifth grade in this new school, in this new town. Not at all. The place only had a population of about 5,000 people. The town she'd moved from had 10 times that. Yeah, this Wolf Vale place was about as exciting as a dust bunny under the bed, and about as friendly. Besides the teachers welcoming her, nobody really paid attention to her. She felt invisible. Weren't people in small towns supposed to be all friendly and nice? Or was that just in movies and TV shows? Mia ate her lunch of greasy pizza, even though she was upset and not particularly hungry. She just wanted out of there. She wanted to go home. Wolfvale was not her home. It never would be. A group of girls sat down at her table. One girl, with dark hair and intense green eyes, seemed to be the leader of the pack. Her name was Luna Deverio. Looks like you're the lone wolf. What was your first guess, Captain Obvious? Mia said. Luna grinned, displaying her perfectly white teeth. Ooh, the new girl has some spice. I like that. The other girls laughed. Their names were Ava, Harper, and Scarlet. Where are you from, new girl? For one, my name is Mia Parsons, not new girl. And two, I'm from a town that has more than one stoplight. So what do you do for fun around here? Watch the grass grow? Wow, Luna said. You're fierce. Most of the new kids are so meek and mild. They get chewed up pretty easily. But look at you, facing the pack, standing off. What exactly is your point? Mia said. I was actually enjoying this terrible lunch alone. The girls laughed. Well, since it's Friday, Luna said. I wondered if you wanted to come over to my house for a slumber party. Um, I don't even know you. Why would I do that? We like your style. You seem like you could be one of us. One of us, Mia thought. Interesting use of words. She had noticed Luna and her pack earlier, 
They wore darker colors than the rest of the students. She guessed these were the cool kids of Wolfvale, or what passed for cool around here anyway. Luna and her crew would have been laughed out of Mia's last elementary school for trying too hard. Guess there wasn't much competition in Wolfvale. What's happening at your slumber party? Mia asked. Well, tonight is a full moon, so we thought we'd get wild. You know, root beer, pizza, scary movies, and plenty of gossip. Well, it sounded pretty regular, Mia thought. Why not? Six hours later, Mia's mom dropped her off at the address Luna gave her. Luna's mom and Mia's mom spoke on the phone. Mia didn't want her mom to come in though. It would be embarrassing. Mia's mom said she'd pick her up tomorrow morning. When Mia entered Luna's house, she kind of expected it to be a little wild and eccentric based on what she'd seen of Luna. But it was just a boring everyday kind of house. Mia met Luna, Ava, Harper, and Scarlett. They ate dinner and gossiped. Luna's mom offered Mia some cookies for dessert. Mia took one to be polite, but the other girls didn't take any. They're all for you, Mia, Luna said. Welcome down. Feeling a little peer pressure, Mia took a bite. It tasted like a normal cookie. Well, maybe a bit better than normal. It was sweet and chewy, and it had some odd kind of spices, but they made the taste buds on her tongue explode with delight. They're called moon cookies, Luna's mom said. They're from an ancient family recipe. Um, okay, Mia thought. Random, totally random. Afterwards, Luna invited them to go outside into the backyard and watch the moon rise. What's the big deal? Mia said. If you've seen one moon rise, you've seen them all. I thought we were going to watch scary movies. Luna smiled and winked. The scares will come, trust me. The group of girls ambled into the backyard. It was on the edge of the woods. The fat moon was blood-colored in the cloudless night sky. Okay, great. Mia said. Now let's go inside and watch a show. The show's just beginning, Ava said, and the girls all laughed. A moment later, they sprouted hair from their face and arms. Their eyes turned yellow, their noses grew into canine snouts, their ears sprang up into sharp points. They turned into wolves, werewolves, all of them. Then they converged on Mia, their hot animal breath steaming on her neck. Face the pack, one of them guttered. Face the pack now, girl. Mia felt strange, like maybe she was getting sick. And then she noticed that hair was growing on the back of her hands. She felt her face. Hair sprouted there too. It itched and tickled. Then her nose grew into a wolf snout and her vision altered as her eyes changed. She could smell everything. Somebody was cooking on a grill, a nest of squirrels in a tree, the scent of the autumn wind. You're one of us now, Luna Wolf growled. The moon cookies contained the curse, the curse of the wolf. And if you're not one of the pack, you're prey. All the best in Wolfvale are like us, pack hunters. Let's go. And Mia ran with the pack into the woods. She couldn't believe how fast she could run now and how far without tiring. The sensation was incredible. Her muscles were so fast and strong. They stalked through the night woods together. They howled at the moon. They drank from a gurgling stream. Mia had never experienced anything like this before. In fact, she couldn't even remember being a girl. 
the wolf had taken over, at least while the moon was in the sky. She'd done what she thought had been impossible. She'd found home here. Her friends back in the city would never understand, and she'd never tell them. Wolfvale was her new home now, and she was one of the pack. Told you this was going to be a wild one, devoted listeners. Let's just hope Mia doesn't ever have to go to the vet to get a checkup for her new condition. My chihuahua, Renfield, hates that. Perhaps Mia shouldn't have folded to peer pressure and stuck with being herself. But who knows? She might have been werewolf chow if she hadn't. That's quite a kooky quandary, right? Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you. And the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello once again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your mostly ghostly host and caretaker of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This eerie tale, Story Club members, might make you shut the doors and turn on all the lights. It's one I call Flight of the Mothman. In Charleston and Point Pleasant, West Virginia in the mid-1960s, a bizarre creature was spotted. Eyewitnesses described it as man-sized with glowing red eyes and the gossamer wings of a moth. It also shrieked an unusual ear-splitting cry that could be heard from a mile away. Others claimed to see this being lifting objects as heavy as cars. The creature, later dubbed the Mothman, was first seen on the evening of November 12, 1966, by two couples driving out by an abandoned World War II explosive storage igloo. As they approached the area, they observed two red lights glaring by the ground's gates. They discovered that the lights were the glowing red eyes of a large being, shaped like a man but bigger, maybe six and a half or seven feet tall, with big wings folded against its back, according to one of the witnesses. Terrified, they sped off down the road, where the creature supposedly chased their car at speeds exceeding 100 miles per hour. The frightened couple sped to the nearest police station to describe the alarming event they witnessed. Days later, multiple eyewitnesses described a similar creature, a large dark form with glowing eyes and a wide wingspan lurking around the abandoned explosives factory. A year later, on December 15, 1967, the Mothman was sighted again just before the collapse of the Silver Bridge during rush hour traffic, where 46 people died. The Silver Bridge, named for its aluminum paint, was a suspension bridge that connected Point Pleasant to the state of Ohio over the Ohio River. The collapse of the bridge, built in 1928, was due to a manufacturing flaw. A replacement bridge was constructed two years later. 
rumors spread that the Mothman would appear before upcoming disasters, as if trying to warn people. After the collapse of the Silver Bridge, the Mothman was never again seen in Point Pleasant. But that didn't stop me from visiting there to try to find him. I decided to go in late November. Since the first sighting was that month, over half a century ago, and the next one was in December, I decided to split the difference. Late autumn in Point Pleasant, West Virginia seemed to be prime Mothman hunting time. I tried to get Willow Yates to come with me, but after three monster encounters on previous trips, and the fact that she saw a movie on the Mothman, which she could only handle for about half an hour before shutting it off, she decided to sit this one out. I was alone for this one, and it didn't disappoint. Staying at a little roadside motel, I drove my rental car out to the nearby TNT area, which is where all the old World War II munitions are still stored in these concrete igloos covered with earth and large, heavy doors. In May 2010, one of the igloos suddenly exploded. No one was harmed, thank goodness, but the area is unsafe. Like, really not safe. I ventured out there to take a few photos and look around, but I didn't see anything remotely resembling a Mothman. Too bad. But as it was getting dark and I was heading back to the car, I felt like I was being watched. The sun had gone down, and then I saw a shape in the trees, large as a man. The eyes peered at me, the color of blood. At first, I thought it was somebody pranking me. The Mothman is famous in the area, and his story does bring in tourists. But it only stood perched in the tree, motionless. As I raised my camera, it flapped its gauzy wings and descended into the sky. The moon had already risen, and for a brief moment, the Mothman flew in front of the glowing full orb completely highlighted. I snapped a few photos, and then I ran. Back at the motel, I looked at my images, but they were mostly terrible. Even as I used a photo editing app to make them clearer, they didn't reveal much. So much for my Mothman experience. That said, Willow Yates would have been petrified with fear, so it's best that she didn't come. The next day, I left Point Pleasant, kinda hoping to see the Mothman again, but equally hoping not to. I'm definitely braver than Willow, but that's about all the flying monsters I can handle right now too, thank you very much. The only moths I care to see are the ones that thump at my porch light when I leave it on at night. Did you know there are a whole bunch of Go Kid Go shows? Of course, there's the R.L. Stein Story Club, and you're a member. There's also Bobby Wonder, a 10-year-old alien from the planet Florp who's trying to protect the Earthlings of Pflugerville from local villainous Mighty Mila. And Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Kapow. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein Story Club wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find your way. Come back tomorrow for another episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go, kid, go! Food is an important part of our lives. Not only do we need it to be strong and healthy, but it can be a way we connect with others, like when you're sitting around the dinner table with friends or family. So what happens when someone commits a food crime? Food crimes are things like sneaking Halloween candy before school with a sibling, 
or making dessert that only you like, even when the whole family was looking forward to dessert. There are two sides to every story, so when a food crime is committed, we simply have to hear the whole truth. And in the show Food Crimes, you can listen as real kids bring their real stories to the food court. They explain the crime in question and make their case to the judge. So if you'd like to see if justice is served, be sure to listen to Food Crimes wherever you listen to podcasts.